Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks, Lord. Because when you created us, Lord, you weren't just leaving us here in our own devices, Lord. You had made a plan not only for us to come here and to live upon the earth, Lord, but you also made a plan for us to experience the victory that you have for those who come to you. We pray that your word this morning would be powerful in our lives to raise us up to a purpose, Lord, a time and a place that far exceeds our expectation. We pray that your word would be a reminder of what you have already done. We pray that your word would allow us to reflect on the realities of Christ's work on the cross. And I pray, Father God, that it not just be intellectual knowledge, but that it would be spiritual experience, that the victory that Christ has won for us on the cross, Lord, would breathe into us the reality of continual victory for those that are in Christ, Lord. Whatever we might be up against, Lord, we pray that as we see your triumph, Lord, as we see your victory, we also might walk in triumph. Bless your word and make sure, Lord, that it does not return void as it departs, Lord, into the hearts of your people wherever this message is heard. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, man finds himself in a horrible predicament away from God and away from God's plans away from the knowledge of God. And every time the Spirit of God speaks, there is a confirmation that God would bring about a total change in circumstances. And it's in Habakkuk, which is an Old Testament book, if you go there with me. In Habakkuk, the first chapter in verse 1, the prophet sees an overwhelming burden in an incredible manner. He questions the Lord and says, Lord, how long shall I continue to cry? How long will this condition continue? And for different people, there are different circumstances that allow them to make the same exclamation. Lord, how long am I going to continue to suffer? How long will this continue to go? And you will not hear me. Even I cry to you. There's chaos. There's violence. There's things that are out of order. And you will not save. And so, Christ comes to the earth and becomes the whole manifestation of the salvation of God. And it's not just a historical salvation where we get to see that God accomplishes his, his plan in the life of his son. We see the heart of God beginning to declare victory before the battle is even waged. And that's our God. And if you're going to be in God for any length of a period, you will begin to rejoice in the victory of God's salvation way before it becomes a reality. And it's just something God teaches you. 
uh, when I became a Christian, every time there was a, I was upset and offset and, and experiencing loss, I was like, okay, this one's really going to wipe me out. And then see the hand of God come and deliver me. And then, <sighs> feels good, God is back in the picture. He saves. He's a God who saves. If you don't know that, you will know that by the end of today. God is a God who saves. And this salvation comes in a mighty way. And just like Habakkuk was expecting it, and, uh, and the Lord says, listen, wait for my salvation. It's going to come. In the same way we see in uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 1, this was a week before the resurrection of Christ. That's why we've called this message the world-changing week. If we, we need to really look into what happened from what they call Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. This whole seven days is filled with the schedule of God for His people in a marvelous way. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 1, we see the beginnings of this triumph. If you read with me, Mark 11, verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples and said to them, Go into a village that is next to you, and as soon as you've entered into this village, you will find a colt, uh, other translations say a donkey, tied which no one has set upon, loose it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied to the door outside the street, and they loosened it, but some of those who stood there said, What are you doing loosening the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go, and they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their cloth on it, and he sat on the colt. Verse 8 says, And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches, and trees and spread them on the road. Verse 9. Those who went before and those who followed were crying out, saying, Hosanna. This word Hosanna means, God, you are coming to bring salvation. And the declaration of Hosanna is something that should frequent the mouth of those who follow God. Way before there is evidence of a turning of the tide. Way before your problem is settled. Hosanna! And it's a shout of victory saying, God, come and bring your highest form of salvation. Now you could only do this if you know God, His character, you do this through the Spirit of God, you see the witness of the faithfulness of God, and you could start a procession crying out, Hosanna. It says they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Verse 10, he says, Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation in the highest degree. Um, it's an incredible thing when you begin to pronounce the coming of our king. Uh, coming in various forms and various expressions and manifestations. And it says, and Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at the things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now this, this whole portion of scripture is just a detailed expression of what took place on a day just like today. It was one week before his resurrection that the scriptures tell us that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and something supernatural was taking place. Now, in the natural, the Jewish people were waiting for somebody to come that would overthrow the Romans. That was their condition at the time. They had a, an oppressive government. The Roman Empire was in Jerusalem. And so they were really abusive and taking advantage of the Jewish people in this season. So on Palm Sunday, they call it, because they say there was palm branches in their hands, and they began to salute the one that was coming to bring salvation. And seeing Jesus ride into Jerusalem, something supernatural took place where the atmosphere and the environment was celebratory. Now, if you know anything about the Holy Week and the things that are to take place in the following days, there are dark and somber scenarios that are taking place. And Jesus will be suffering um, the night before he's betrayed. He will be sharing the Last Supper uh, at Passover with his disciples. He'll try to explain to them the predicament that he's in. He will be betrayed by one of his own. There's a lot of things going on in this week, but it's the week that changed the world. And so this is only the beginning that we're describing here. In Matthew 21, the other gospel, there's four gospel accounts of this day. And in, in Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1, you have Matthew's description of what happened on this day. And it's basically the same thing where it says, When they draw, drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus went to the disciples saying, Go to the village and next to you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And all this was done in might that he might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet. And the prophet is Zacharias. Way before this account took place in the Old Testament, Zacharias had written, Tell the daughter of Zion... The daughter of Zion are the children of God, are those that, that are waiting upon the Lord. Tell them, behold, your king is coming to you. He comes in a humble manner 
and is sitting on a donkey. A colt, the foil of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. Verse 6. And verse 7 it says, They brought him the donkey, and they laid clothes on them, and they set him on them. They sat Jesus on them. And it says, And a great multitude spread their clothing on the ground. And others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the ground. And the multitude who went before and those who followed, they were crying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Remember, Hosanna, salvation in the highest degree. Victory at the highest level. I don't know what your situation is, but just for a moment, capture what would be your victory celebration? Uh, sad enough today, the only time we see victory celebrations is when somebody grabs a football and crosses the touchdown and then the, 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 the player will start dancing and you haven't seen that happen in the lives of regular human beings. I don't know. I don't know what your victory dance would look like. Ashley, what would your victory dance look like? I've seen what people look like when they win a spot on American Idol or when they win the lotto or when they win something. Last night I was watching Mark Cuban, the, uh, the owner of the Dallas uh, basketball team, and, and they won. And he was dancing and, ah, 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 and somebody says, that's not, even, that's not even the championship game. What is he doing? This is just a playoff game. There's a lot more games. The guy lost last year. How many saw that last year? It was a horrible time for him. But I want to ask you, can you please, 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 please tell me what your victory dance would look like? Because that's what's going on on Palm Sunday. And this is the spirit of God for those who know God who will celebrate before God shows up. That you could scream, Hosanna! And you're pretty much declaring and proclaiming to all in the vicinity how your God is faithful to deliver the greatest form of victory you can ever fathom. And we can sit there and have a good time thinking how he possibly might be able to be working out the plan for your victory, or you can capture the depth and the reality of the salvation and faithfulness of an awesome God. And so that's what is going on there in these scriptures that are describing how Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. For many people thought that he would be the king that would deliver God's people from Roman oppression. I don't know who oppresses you. I don't know who keeps you back from your victories. I don't know what are the thoughts that doesn't allow you to celebrate. I don't know why you have that frown on your face like if nobody loves you. But as soon as God allows you to participate in this spirit, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest and when he had come into Jerusalem all the city was moved you know 
when you're sitting there shouting Hosanna and nobody knows what's going on, they're like, hmm, wonder what's going on with this person. What's going on with, are you expecting God to show up? And this morning I heard of several people that are going through situations and as I see their sad plight of not expecting God to show up, I grin and smile because I know my God. I know a faithful God. I know a God who has no other plans but plans of victory, of salvation. Amen, Eliana. Go for it. Go for it. Shout your Hosanna already. Shout your Hosanna already. And the people are going to be moved around you. They're going to be going, hey, what's going on with this? Who is this that they're shouting about? So the multitude said, this is, say with me, Jesus. There is no other name given to man through which we might have salvation. You're never going to have the experience of victory under any other name. What a powerful name. The name we call upon in the midst of troubles and trials. In the midst of confusion and chaos. In the midst of difficulties, adversity. When everything is dark. When everything is deep. And we're far from knowing what's going to happen. The name of Jesus will change the atmosphere. So the multitude said, this is Jesus. He's our man of God, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. A lot of people have already heard of the salvation of Jesus. A lot of people have. Sad enough, some people have only heard about that name. I can tell you, 28 years ago, that name became my victory cry for the rest of my life. And in every circumstance, every situation... It's the name of Jesus that makes the hand of God move. It's the name of Jesus that opens doors that nobody could open. It's the name of Jesus that turns the tide. And it was proclaimed long before Jesus came in Luke chapter 19. We have the third gospel account of what's known as Palm Sunday. Luke 19 verse 28. And again it says... That Jesus gave instruction to his men, his followers. When he had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet. That he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village that's opposite you. And when you enter there, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loosen it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosening it? You shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent their way and found it, and he said to them, but as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said, why are you loosening the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of them. And it says, they brought him to Jesus and they threw their clothes on the colt and they sat Jesus on him. And he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And as he was now drawing near to the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Now, different people in, in that account had had different experiences with the Lord. And today, here in the house of the Lord, there are many people who have had different experiences with Jesus. There are people here who have been healed physically. Their physical infirmities have been taken away by Jesus. 
So they will celebrate Hosanna in a different light as they express the salvation and victory of the Lord. There's those that, that might have, like me, have had victories in their career. I went through my whole career crying Hosanna because I was, I was just dumber than a doornail. And I needed the salvation of God with wisdom to help me with my schooling, to help me with my exams, with my teachers, with my schedule. And so Hosanna became my cry. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all men were shouting for the mighty works they had seen. And I don't know, and, and obviously some of us require to have seen something before we shout. Some of us will shout before we see the salvation of God. It doesn't matter because all of us together in that route will bring this thing together in a, a marvelous scenario. You guys know where I'm headed, right? You know it. Uh, the expectations that we have from God this year are that we're going to believe that we're going to be dreaming. We're going we're gonna to say, where the, how did this happen? This, look what the Lord has done for us. And it continued on to say that as they began to shout and rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, a lot of people are like very reserved. It's like, you're not supposed to yell. Why is he yelling in church? Well, because the Bible says with a loud voice, they were praising God. With a loud voice. For all the mighty works they had seen. And they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and they said, hey, hey. Tell your followers to calm down. I don't think that that is possible. But he answered and said to him, I tell you the truth, that if they should keep silence, the rocks will immediately cry out. The rocks are going to praise him. I don't know how to explain this other than to say that I have a friend that wrote a song, and the song says, there is no rock that's going to take my place. I'm going to shout to the Lord. I'm not going to allow a rock to do this. And so um, it's a powerful thing to see God's name being praised and lifted up. And so the, those that were contrary to Christ, the Pharisees said, Hey, psh, tell these people to, to calm down. And the opposition to the Lord will always tell people that are shouting Hosanna to calm down. And I, I'm going to tell you it's not going to happen. John chapter 12, verse 12. Again, the Gospel of John. We, we have the fourth account of this day. And this speaks volumes. Again, I, I want to reiterate that this is not the expression of having seen anything take place it's bedded in the foundations of what they knew to expect from God. Nothing less than the highest form of salvation. And, and sometimes we're, we're used to seeing an even game there. There's competition here. We, we might win, we might lose. We, we, you, know, you never know what's going to happen. And that's really the heart of people who do not have the Spirit of God and don't understand God. But let's read that real quickly in John chapter 12, in verse 12. The, 
Next day, a great multitude had come to feast, and when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so these people, they heard about the approach of Jesus far off. They were expecting him to show up. It was a day of feast, a day that was called the triumphal entry. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, verse 13, they took branches of palm trees. Therefore, Palm Sunday. They took branches of palm trees. And there they went to meet him, and they cried out with a loud voice. The multitude was there. Hosanna! Hosanna! One person crying out in the middle of a crowd doesn't sound too good, but a multitude crying Hosanna was an incredible party to what God was going to do in that regards. Hosanna, blessing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And they, then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, fear not. You know, that those are the feelings of, of somebody that's up against some opposition. There's fear. I don't know what your enemies are, but I can tell you that at the name of Jesus, they are trembling. At the name of Jesus, your enemies are saying, oh no. Oh no. You could call on any other name and nada pasa. Nothing's going on. But if you're going to use the name of Jesus, all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose in regards to what's going on in your life. And it says that, behold, your king is coming. Verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion. Your king is coming, and he's sitting on a donkey's colt. I want to tell you that it was unusual for somebody to show up in a donkey format. Those that were showing up riding on a donkey were proclaiming peace. If you were going to war, you would ride upon a horse. A horse was the vehicle of armor. To, it was a weapon of warfare. To come on a donkey meant that it was done. The battle was over and peace had been established. And so Jesus was saying, that's it. It's a done deal. This is not even going to be a fight. I win hands down. And his disciples did not understand these things at first. When they saw the people yelling, when they saw Jesus riding in, when they saw, you know, there was a dangerous thing to proclaim victory. Uh, in the natural, a lot of these people that were shouting Hosanna were doing it in the flesh because they thought Jesus was just going to come to take over the Roman Empire. Since he had done a lot of miracles, they said, let's shout victory because he's coming to beat up the Romans. And I don't know if you have a false sense of expectation of what your victory is. And you've got to be careful with that. Because a lot of people say, okay, that's it. By Monday at 12 noon, this is going to be over. And, and that's a false sense of expectation. Your victory is a solid victory, but it comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from you setting up your own ballpark and frame of work. Um, and, and we do this a lot of times, and they did that in that season. 
the people of Israel thought that he was coming to establish a earthly kingdom. So when they were yelling Hosanna, their mindset was carnal. I hope your mindset is not carnal. Because what Judas did when he saw that it was no longer about an earthly victory, he sold Jesus. And there'll be some people that sell the Lord because their expectation doesn't come to pass. You've got to be careful. I've known many Christians who says, I'm not a Christian no more. And then when you ask them why, he goes, I, I, I waited upon the Lord. I, I thought he was going to do something. He didn't do anything. Listen, it's not over. It's not over. Let God finish the good work he started. And so these didn't understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified later, see, because he went to death that week, he went to the cross he stood up there at that cross, he was nailed, he bled and died. So a lot of people said, what happened to Hosanna? What happened to salvation at the highest level? Well, the story wasn't over, my friend. And if you went home after the deepest and dark period, you missed the salvation of God. You miss the hand of the Lord. Many people do that. They throw in their marriage before it's even over. They throw away their family before it's even over. They throw their business before it's over. They throw their, their, their plans before God is even finished. And it's sad because that's an unstable faith. That is a wavering faith. That is a double-minded faith. One second, you're shouting, Hosanna. You know what they were doing a couple of days later, these same people, when Jesus was arrested? You know what they were shouting? Crucify him. My God let me down. My God wasn't there for me. My God, forget about the palm branches. Forget about the glorious he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and we just throw Jesus and Christianity and the word of God under the bus. And that's That's sad. And, and, and many will not experience the glories of God because they allowed one battle, they allowed one season to dictate their mindset. And I refuse. Tell your neighbor, I refuse. I refuse, man. I'm going to stay until I see Jesus have the full victory. The full victory in full expression. And he has started a good work in my life. And he has started a good work in your family. And he has started a good work in your children. Somebody called this week. They needed help on their marriage. They said, Pastor, how much is, going, is this going to cost? I said, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough money to fix this. It's priceless. Jesus is going to do it for free. You don't have enough money for your victory. You know, in the old days, in the Cuban days, we were very wretched people. The Cuban families were very wretched. They knew that they did not have the capacity to bless all their children, so they would pick one. And imagine in one family, they pick one child and says, I'm going to show you all the victories, and they would, they would despise the other children. And they, they, they weren't treating everybody the same. They had that one prize boy because they didn't have enough. But Jesus is not like that. All of God's people are overcomers and victorious. 
They all win the prize. I've said this a lot of times. That's why American Idol is so diabolical. It leads many people to believe they're not winners. And guess what? They are. And guess what? God has destined them to do great things with the giftings of God. So we're not the type that get discouraged. And I don't like to hang around with discouraged people other than I could jumpstart them to get encouraged. But I'm excited about what God wants to do in my life. I'm excited about what God wants to do in every person. It doesn't matter how wretched I've met them. Because I remember how wretched our lives were before God started his work. But there they had remembered after he was glorified of the things that he had done. In verse, then they remembered the things that were written about him, that they had done these things to him. In verse 17, we're reading John 12, 17. Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and he raised him from the dead, they said they were witnesses. For this reason the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. And the Pharisees, I love this verse. This verse is one of my favorite verses. Verse 19, the Pharisees said like this. You see that you are accomplishing nothing to stop people from following him? Look, the whole world is going after him. I, you know, there's a lot of things taking place upon the earth, and, and a lot of people are, are saying different things, but I can't help to think that if we follow Jesus, the whole world is going to be covered with the glory of God. We're going to be experiencing victory. And for a lot of people, they have fallen in disbelief to say that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen that, that this world is going to know the glory of God. But I, I, I choose to differ in my, in my reasoning. I know that there is amazing triumph for those that are waiting upon the Lord. Listen, if you ever feel that you want to learn how to celebrate, you read with me Psalm 118. Well, Psalm 118 is the psalm of victory that the Jewish people used to celebrate. And it's this psalm that they were actually um, speaking when Jesus was coming down into Jerusalem in verse 25 and 26. This is where they were shouting. It's Psalm 118, 25 and 26. They were saying, Lord, look at this situation. Save us. From the highest of the high, come down and save your people. Save now, I pray, O Lord, I pray that you would send now your prosperity, your blessing, your assurance, your protection. This is what they were, this is exactly what they were crying out. They, they hadn't just picked something up. They actually went to a particular portion of Scripture, Psalm 118, verse 25, and they say, let's start screaming out that this man would bring salvation and that he would bring his prosperity now. Verse 26 says like this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Lord, in my daily walk, in my daily thought, in my marriage, wherever I am, because I spend time in your house crying out salvation, crying out for your prosperity, crying out for your blessing, Lord, manifest this in my life, 
in circumstance, in time, in season. I want to tell you that it was not unusual for the people of God to shout victory praises to God because they realized that that's when God showed up the most. In the midst of your victory cry, in the midst of your calling out to God and in, in reminding Him of His greatness is when the Lord came and intervened and did marvelous things, unexpected things. That's why in verse 15, there was a legacy or there was a, a remembrance here. Look what it says. Could you read it with me? The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. Because the right hand of God is doing amazing things. That's what's at my house. That was my wife. My children. Yeah, we've been through some deep and dark scenarios, difficulties, hardships. But there's never going to be anything other than Hosanna in our lips. There's never going to be anything other than to know that our God saves and he's mighty to save. He's mighty to bring the most glorious victory regardless of the devil's uh, messing with us and, and coming against us. And I'll tell you that that's the legacy of all the children of God. In Isaiah chapter 45 verse 25, it says, In the Lord shall the descendants of the righteous. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 25. It says the offspring of Israel shall be justified in righteousness. They shall experience salvation, victory, and receive glory. I've seen this happen too many times for us to pretend that it's just a select few in a select place of area. Some people have gone as far as to say, well, they're, they're teaching a positive message over there. Listen to me. It's not a positive message I want to give you this morning. It's a positive and powerful God. It's a God who knows things way before they even happen. It's a God who says there is no one besides me. Isaiah 45, 25. You guys have 45, 5. We'll wait for you guys. Isaiah 45, 25. In the Lord, it's in the Lord that all the descendants of Israel shall be justified and shall find glory. It's in the Lord. It's not in a message. It's not in a positive mindset. It's not because you have a ritual or a ceremony. We don't celebrate today a Palm Sunday. We celebrate Jesus Christ. Amen. We celebrate a powerful God, a powerful name. We celebrate a life of a God that has come and saved us when there was no salvation. 28 years ago when my parents were going through a divorce and I was a rebellious teenager and I could see no end in sight of further destruction. I told my mom, I'm going to grow up to be a gangster. My little brother's going to become a psychopath. My sister's going to become a wretched woman. My older brother's going to be a con artist. We have no salvation in our family. And we were from a good family. How many come from a good family that didn't have God in it, that didn't have salvation? And you see that there is no, there's no God. There's no God. There's no God. How miserable could we be that we breathe God's air and say there's no God? 
We use the strength he gives us to walk and we say there's no God. We reason. I was talking to a guy who says, oh, I don't believe in this book because it was translated so many times. You have no God. In Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. A foolish man will not recognize the existence of God. But here in Psalm 118, we have the continual proclamation of salvation. I, I, I pray that you would read over it, that this would be your victory cry in the coming days and weeks and as this year opens up for you. They were saying something powerful. In Jeremiah 31, verse 7, this is what Israel would say. Declare it. Declare and publish. Jeremiah 31, 7. Sing with gladness. Shout amongst the chief, the best of nations. Go to the best nations and proclaim there. Give glory to God. Say the Lord will save his people. The Lord will save his people. Don't allow the devil to come with all the circumstances. Uh, I'm tired of people listing for me all the situations. My God is able to save. Amen. My God will lead you always to triumph. Joaquin, where did you get that from? Who gave it to you? Jesus did. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul wrote these powerful words. He says, thanks be given to God. Acknowledge him. Give him credit. Why should we thank him? Because he always, could you circle that word please? Always leads us to triumph in Christ. Always. I've never seen God lose. I've never seen, I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care if it's an African man married to a Chinese woman. That marriage is going to be awesome. In Jesus' name. As they allow God to come in and bring great levels of salvation. I don't care if you don't have any money. It's going to be the greatest of provisions from a God who saves. Amen. Unfortunately, we are miserable. We are wretched in our capacity to see the goodness of God. You know something? When my kids ask me for something, I never say no. I say, let's see what God does. Let's see. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say we can't. I'm not going to say from where. My help comes from the Lord. And he shall provide all my needs according to his great wealth and glory. Why? He always leads us to triumph. I marvel and that's why we praise him and serve him so passionately. That's why people say, why did you leave your career? Because I like to be in the front row to see the glory of God. I want to be going to see the glory of men. It stinks. It really stinks. He always leads us to triumph. And he uses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. He wants everybody to know this. Why? Because God desires no one to perish. You say, no, we're Christians and we're going to do good, but they're not Christians. No, God wants them to do good too. People call me on the phone. I need help with my marriage. Do I have to go to your church? No, I want to see your marriage be successful. It has nothing to do with the church. I want to see your family experience joy and peace because that's the heart of God. It's 
It's not coming to church. It's not coming to spring of life. It's experiencing the provisions of a faithful and good God. And he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends provision. In fact, I would have to say that the unsaved have experienced more salvation than the saved. Because God is fastly trying to get them to understand his goodness. So that they would repent and turn to him. He wants that. But Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph. And we got to get going here because we're, we're having another message, another service. But if you would go with me to Colossians 2, verse 13, I want to tell you that these processions of triumph, Paul was talking about how the Roman emperors and how the generals in the Roman Empire used to celebrate their triumph. When they used to go attack a nation and they used to win, there was a parade. It was called the triumphal entry into Rome. And they used to bring back everything that was a proof of their victory. And that's what God wants to do. It says, when you were being dead in your trespasses, how many remember? When we were just breaking all of God's order, trespassing his territories. And we were uncircumcision of the flesh. We were letting our flesh lead us. He made us alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. I want to tell you that the most glorious thing that Jesus has done, that you could shout Hosanna, is that he's forgiven your sins. That's enough. What he did on the cross by letting his blood run was the payment of your sin. That enough is enough for you to say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Salvation comes from the highest degree because there was no one going to save me from hell but Jesus Christ on the cross. So I could scream Hosanna. And in verse 14 he says, And having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, everything that was written down that the devil was going to take you to hell with has been erased by what he did on the cross. So he wiped out all the requirements Every debt that you had is canceled before the Lord. These things that were contrary to us, he nailed it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. This, this provision here is a glorious place to shout Hosanna. There's all my sins, all my rebellion, all my disobedience, all my unbelief he took with him on the cross. Verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, and he made them a public spectacle, triumphing over them. The Lord wants this to be an outward manifestation of an inward reality. What Paul is speaking again is about how the, the Roman generals who had conquered a land was bringing back all the gold and all the silver and all the precious stones and then they would bring back also the kings and the generals and, and those enemies. But they would, be, they would bring them tied up. They were disarmed. They didn't have any weapons. And everybody was like, yay. These people who were taking from us, who were stealing from us, who were threatening us are totally destroyed. And I don't know who's taking from you and who's threatening you and who's standing against you. But begin to shout, Hosanna. Begin to dance your victory, your victory strut. Begin to tell people how good God has been with you in that regards. I want to tell you that this morning is a good time for us to stand.
Let's take, let's get to our feet here and ask the worship team to come forward. I want to tell you that it is time for us to get prepared. This week, we are celebrating the, the one week before Easter Sunday. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know your plans. I don't know what the issues are. But I want to introduce to you a saving God. A God who you're able to put your confidence in. A God who is about to show you about to show you the evidence of his power. These uh, triumph parades that would come into Rome were led by the highest of leaders, the senators, the magistrates, with the musicians. They were, they were shouting the praise of victory. This is Rome. Remember that. This is Rome coming back from, from great battles. Their carts were filled with all the sorts of spoil. You know what the spoil is? Those things that the enemy has held from us. They belong to us. They're held up. It says that all the enemy leaders and their relatives and their cousins and their brothers and sisters and their children were also had to march in that triumphal entry to show everyone a public spectacle and this doesn't say that Christ is going to do that it says Christ has already done that he's disarmed our enemy he's disarmed the one that is taking from us the bodyguards would come marching the commander was riding in a chariot some of them were led by there was one general that came back from a victory and what pulled his chariot was two elephants. Another one, Alexander the Great, was pulled by two lions. And different animals would come and pull that chariot. And these generals, they gave them a, a, a name. The name that they gave these generals was Man of Triumph. And they were called Men of Triumph the rest of their life. Wherever they would go. The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, it says, We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I want to celebrate that with you today. I don't know what you're going through, but I, I want you to come and be able to establish, like I said, I, I don't know what your victory cry is going to look like. I don't know what your victory dance is going to look like. Listen to me. I've seen your defeat dance. I've seen your attitude as you begin to celebrate what the devil's doing. I've seen you throw doors and, and attitude and fling words that you didn't mean so that you, later on you have to come back and say, I'm sorry. God did show up. God did show he's a faithful God. God is a, a promising God. Let's begin to perfect so this whole world sees what we know. We can greatly rejoice and shout out loud because your king is coming. He's a victorious God. Let's give a big hand to the Lord. Hallelujah!